Chapter 8 What are you doing out of bed, Abby? Jane Fear cried. Jonathan watched as Rachel's young face grew solemn. He stepped forward and, putting a hand on Jane's shoulder, gently corrected his mother. It is Rachel, Mama. She wants to meet our new neighbor. A shadow of confusion passed briefly across Jane Fear's face. Then it cleared. She took Rachel's hand, patted it, and smiled. Rachel relaxed and sat down. I suppose poor Rachel is used to it by now, Jonathan thought sadly, used to Mama's confusion. Rachel did not resemble Abigail, even though she was blonde and Abby had had red hair. Still, it is not their looks that confuses Mama, Jonathan realized. Abigail lives on in Mama's mind. Mama cannot let Abby die. Delilah nodded toward the little girl and said, I am happy to meet you, Rachel. My father is busy at the moment, I'm afraid, Jonathan told Delilah, but he is very eager to meet you and your family. Perhaps he will call on you tomorrow. Delilah nodded. Please, excuse me for a moment, said Jane. I will leave my son and daughter to entertain you, while I prepare the pie, Miss Wilson. Jonathan smiled. Somehow, Rachel had gotten her way and would stay up to have pie with them. Delilah, Jonathan, and Rachel took seats. The parlor was not fully furnished yet, just a couch and a few chairs clustered around a small table. But Ezra had already hung a large painting over the fireplace, a portrait of Abigail. Ezra had painted it himself from memory. In the portrait, Abigail was dressed as Ezra had last seen her, in a blue dress, wearing her cap with the blue ribbons. You have a lovely house, Delilah said, glancing around admiringly. The house, large and elegant, was three stories, painted white with black shutters and surrounded by a white fence. It was the nicest house the Fears had ever lived in. Where have you moved from? Delilah asked. From Worcester, answered Jonathan, and before that, Danbury. My goodness, Delilah exclaimed. Why have you moved so much? Jonathan hesitated. He certainly did not want to explain his father's obsession with the good family to this pretty neighbor. How could she ever understand? But before he could stop her, Rachel blurted out in a low voice, It is Papa. He says our family is cursed. Rachel, Jonathan cut in. Delilah's eyes widened. Cursed? What do you mean? This is just a little girl's exaggeration, Jonathan interrupted, hoping to end the discussion then. No, it is not, Rachel insisted. Papa tells me about it every night before bed. She pointed to the portrait of Abigail and said, That girl's my sister. She died when I was little. One of the goods got her. Rachel, Jonathan warned. But Delilah acted very interested and pressed Rachel to go on. To Jonathan's dismay, Rachel told Delilah all about the family curse and the feud between the goods and the fears. Jonathan watched Delilah's face as she heard the horrible details. She turned pale as flour, and her eyes grew wide. She will never want to see us again, he thought, and was surprised at his disappointment. He already liked this lovely girl very much. At last, Jonathan said, It is all nonsense, Miss Wilson. My father has been filling Rachel's head with these stories, and she takes them too seriously. So, you do not believe in the curse? Delilah asked him, locking her eyes onto his. There is no curse, Jonathan replied, frowning, and there would be no feud if Papa would only let it die. This is all of his own making. He brings trouble on himself. Our constant quest for the goods has almost ruled our lives, but the goods themselves have done nothing to hurt us. What about Abigail? Rachel demanded. Jonathan paused. He didn't like to think about Abigail. 
Abigail would still be alive if it were not for Papa's crazy ideas, he thought bitterly. Papa forced us to live in Wickham, when no decent family should have stayed there. Abigail's death was Papa's fault. Jonathan tried to shake away his unpleasant thoughts. He turned his gaze on Delilah. She was studying the portrait of Abigail. Abigail looks a lot like you, Rachel, Delilah said. Most people say that, said Rachel, smiling at Jonathan. Perhaps we should talk about something else, Jonathan said uncomfortably. Do you have any brothers and sisters, Miss Wilson? Rachel asked eagerly. Rachel, you may call me Delilah, Delilah said. She turned to Jonathan and added, You may too. Jonathan thought he saw her blush slightly. I am an only child, she told Rachel. My mother died when I was born. I live with my father. He is a minister, but his congregation is very small. We live on a small farm. Jonathan studied her dress, made of homespun linen dyed pale green. For the first time he noticed how worn it was. The lace at the sleeves was frayed, and here and there the skirt was expertly patched. She probably wore her best dress to come calling on us, Jonathan thought. She must be very poor. It does not matter. She is still the prettiest girl I have ever seen. Jonathan walked into town a few days later to see the blacksmith. His mother wanted a new pot to hang over the kitchen fire. He ordered the pot from a blacksmith and left the shop. Just outside, he bumped into a pretty, brown-haired girl in a dark blue dress and white sunbonnet. Delilah Wilson, how pleasant to see you again. I am glad to see you too, Jonathan. She carried a small basket. Jonathan took the basket to carry for her. It was empty. Where are you going? he asked. I am on my way home, she replied. I have just come from Papa's church. He has been there all morning with nothing to eat, so I brought him a bit of cheese and bread. I am on my way home too, as it happens, said Jonathan. May I escort you? Delilah smiled. Thank you. That is very kind. The afternoon sun shone bright and hot as they walked out of town and down the road to Delilah's house. Jonathan could feel himself begin to sweat under his collar. How was your family? Delilah asked. Your mother and sister. Quite well, thank you, said Jonathan. I like them both very much, Delilah went on. Your sister especially. She is very sweet. Jonathan felt a little uncomfortable about the memory of Delilah's visit, his mother's confusion, Rachel's talk of a family curse. Delilah is being polite, he decided. She must think us very strange. I must apologize to Rachel's behavior the other evening, he said. I hope she did not frighten you, or bore you, with her silly talk. Delilah laughed. Not at all. She is only a child, and children love wild stories. I was exactly the same at her age. I am sure you are much more sensible than Rachel, Jonathan protested. If anything, I was sillier. Just ask my father. At eight, I was sure that a fox would come in my window, in the night to carry me off. I insisted that we keep all the windows in the house shut at night, even when it was quite hot. My father thought I had gone mad. Jonathan smiled at her story and offered her his arm. She accepted, and together they walked arm in arm. That night, Jonathan lay in bed a long time without sleeping. An image of Delilah floated before his eyes, her glossy brown hair, her creamy skin, her rosy cheeks, her mischievous brown eyes. I shall call on her tomorrow, he thought, growing sleepy at last. I will bring a bouquet of flowers. A sudden noise made him sit up straight. What was that? The sound seemed to be far off. Had he been dreaming? No. There it was again, closer now. Jonathan listened. The sound started low, but quickly grew in pitch and volume. At first, he thought it was some kind of animal shriek, 
a tortured cry, a scream of agony. Jonathan shook with fear. He had never heard any animal make that sound. Was it a bear, a wolf, an injured dog? It was moving swiftly toward his house. Nearer, nearer. Now it was right in the yard and coming closer. It stopped right under his window. Jonathan's heart leapt to his throat. A voice in his head screamed, Help! Please! Somebody help! It is coming to get me! Chapter 9 His heart thudding in his chest, Jonathan stumbled to the window. The full moon shone on the wide rose trellis, still barren of roses, that climbed the back wall of the house to the second-floor windows. He could see the backyard clearly, the woodpile, the new iron pump, the stone well, and the woods surrounding them. What made that horrible sound? Jonathan asked himself, trembling all over. Was it only a dream? A strange wild animal? Or was it something more terrible still? He pushed that idea from his mind. Rachel's stories are giving me nightmares, he scolded himself. Silence now. The only sounds were the chirping of crickets and the low hooting of an owl. Still shaken, Jonathan climbed back into bed. He knew he would never get to sleep now. He lay awake all night listening. Hours later, the sky began to lighten. Jonathan heard his mother pass his room on her way downstairs to begin the day's chores. His father and sister were stirring too. Yawning and stretching, Jonathan climbed out of bed and sleepily made his way to the washstand. He splashed cold water on his face and ran a comb through his shoulder-length brown hair. After tying his hair back with a black cord, he slipped on his knee breeches. In the kitchen, Jane Fear was setting dishes on the table. Good morning, Jonathan, she said brightly. Would you mind kindling the fire for me? Jonathan kissed his mother good morning and went to the hearth. He picked up the bellows and puffed air into the glowing embers, left over from the night before. Rachel skipped into the room in a brown dress and apron, her blonde curls bouncing. Ezra followed close behind her. As he poked at the fire, Jonathan wondered whether any of them had heard the terrible cries that had awakened him in the night. Rachel appeared to be cheerful and well-rested but Ezra seemed tired. "'Run out to the well and get me a bucket of water, Rachel,' said Jane. "'Yes, Mama,' Rachel replied. She opened the back door and headed out to the well. A moment later, blood-curdling cries from the backyard made Jonathan drop his fireplace poker. It clattered to the hearth floor as he turned to run outside. Jane and Ezra were right behind him. Rachel stood by the well, screaming hysterically, her hands, her face, her hair, her clothes, were all splattered in red. Abigail, what is it? cried Jane. What has happened? Rachel ignored her mother, her eyes fixed and staring. She pointed at the bucket she had pulled out of the well. Peering into the bucket, Jonathan gagged. It was filled with thick red blood. Chapter 10 Holding his hand over his mouth, Jonathan reeled backward. Blood! How could the well be full of blood? Try not to vomit. Jonathan raised his eyes to his family. Jane was holding Rachel, trying to comfort her. Ezra's eyes were bulging and his hands shook as he clutched his silver pendant. The curse, he cried. The goods have come for us again. Swallowing hard, Jonathan gathered his courage and reluctantly peered into the well. To his relief, the well water was clean. Only the bucket was filled with blood. What did it mean? Her fingers around her shoulders. Jane gently guided Rachel inside. Ezra nervously rubbed his fingers over the pendant, as if it would help him somehow. It has happened again. They have found us before we could find them, Ezra said, 
There must be goods living nearby, or buried near here. Calm down, Papa, Jonathan pleaded. There is no curse. Look, we are all safe. Foolish boy, Ezra murmured, and he left his son alone. Still dazed and shaken, Jonathan stared at the bucket of blood. The howl of agony he had heard in the night came rushing back to him. Who or what could have done this, he wondered. Was it the work of a crazy person, a wild animal? Or could his father be right after all? Could it really be the curse of the goods? Rachel stayed in her room for the rest of the morning while Ezra paced the house, tense and scowling. I must get out of here, Jonathan told himself. As long as I sit in this house, I shall keep seeing that bucket of blood. He decided to pay a call on Delilah. Jonathan gathered wildflowers as he walked down the road to the little farmhouse. It was very small, only a cabin really, and shabby, made of brown weathered shingles, with only a few small windows and one chimney. To the right of the house sat a tumble-down cow shed. A few chickens pecked at the dirt behind a fence. Beyond them were a stand of scraggly fruit trees and an acre or two of stony fields. Clutching his handful of purple and white flowers, Jonathan knocked on the door. Delilah opened it. Hello, Jonathan, she said, smiling. What a nice surprise. As he handed her the flowers, he felt his face grow hot. She invited him in. A man with shoulder-length gray hair sat at a writing table in a corner of the room. He stood up when Jonathan entered. Father, this is Jonathan Fear, Delilah said. Jonathan, this is my father, the Reverend Wilson. Delilah's father gave Jonathan a friendly handshake. I am very pleased to meet you, young man, the reverend said. I plan to call on your parents soon to welcome them. They will be delighted, Jonathan said with a polite bow. Father is working on a sermon at the moment, Delilah said. Shall we go for a walk? Jonathan agreed. He and Delilah went outside and strolled through the orchard of fruit trees. In the warm sunlight, Jonathan thought Delilah was prettier than ever. Her cheeks glowed pink, and she had a lively spring in her step. But as she looked at his face, he saw her frown. You look tired, Jonathan, she said. Are you feeling well? Jonathan started to say, yes, of course. But then he thought better of it. Delilah has already heard all about my family history, he thought, and she is not afraid to see me, not in the least afraid. She is an understanding girl. Perhaps I have found someone I can speak with. At last! Something disturbed me last night while I was sleeping, he told her. A strange and terrifying noise. A noise? she asked, puzzled. Yes. It was as if some hideous creature were rushing through the woods, heading straight for our house. It drew closer until it seemed to be right under my window, shrieking. Then suddenly it stopped. What was it? Delilah asked. I do not know, Jonathan replied. When I looked outside, I saw nothing. It must have been a dream, Delilah told him. That is what I decided, Jonathan said. But this morning, Rachel went to the well for water, and when she pulled up the bucket, he paused, wondering if he should continue. Should he say such a shocking thing to a young lady he hardly knew? Delilah stopped walking and faced him. What happened? she asked. What did you find in the bucket? It was full of blood, he told her. Delilah gasped. My father is convinced that it has something to do with the curse, Jonathan said. I cannot help but wonder if he is right. Now Delilah turned her face away. Oh no, she said, walking ahead of him. Were her hands shaking? Jonathan could not be sure. He cannot be right about this, can he, Jonathan? There must be some reasonable explanation. There must be, Jonathan said, but I cannot think of one. Do you suppose a wounded animal somehow got into the well? But that does not make sense. 
there was so much blood, and no sign of an animal, and the well water was perfectly clean. Delilah stopped again and took Jonathan's hand. Please, Jonathan, she pleaded, forget about this curse. Let it be your father's obsession, not yours. Jonathan put his hand over hers. Her skin was so soft. Her words echoed in his mind. Forget about this curse, he thought. That is exactly what I would have said, until today. He and Delilah walked on in silence. She is a very sensible girl, Jonathan thought. I am glad we have met. It is so good to have someone to confide in. That night, Jonathan went to bed early and immediately fell asleep. Deep in the night, a noise woke him. Creak. Jonathan's eyes flew open. He listened, holding his breath. It was the dead of night. The house lay bathed in darkness. Creak. Jonathan's heart began to pound. There it was again. Creak. Creak. It came from the hall. His mouth suddenly dry, his temples throbbing. Jonathan slipped out of bed and crept to the door. He put his ear to the door and listened. I really did hear a noise this time, he thought. I am sure of it. Creak. Slowly, silently, he opens the door. The hall was dark. He listens to footsteps quietly coming toward him. He peered around the door and into the hall. There it stood. His blood stopped flowing in his veins. At the end of the hall, he saw a vision in white floating toward him. Chapter 11 Who is it? Jonathan cried. But his voice came out a choked whisper. The pale figure whispered, Abigail! Abigail! It floated closer. Jonathan could see a white nightgown and white nightcap, long gray hair flowing under it. He heard the floorboards creaking under her bare feet. It cannot be a ghost, he thought. The apparition called out softly, Abigail! Abigail! Come back! It is Mama, Jonathan realized, alarmed. What is she doing? His mother stepped quietly past him, not seeing him. Again, she called, Abigail! She is walking in her sleep, Jonathan realized. She started down the stairs and Jonathan followed. She made her way to the back of the house, the ghostly white gown trailing along the floor. Abigail, she called a little louder this time. Wait for me. She opened the back door. She was going outside. Jonathan stepped forward and grabbed her arm. Mama, he cried in a trembling voice. What are you doing? She turned around, startled. Her eyes were wide open and full of tears. She is not asleep, Jonathan thought. She is awake. She knows what she is doing. It is Abigail, his mother whispered, tears rolling down her quivering cheeks. She called to me. She is out there waiting for me. Jonathan pulled his mother inside and closed the door. No, Mama, he said, desperate to soothe her. You must be dreaming. I am not dreaming, Jonathan. His mother's voice was firm now. She is in the backyard. My little girl. Jonathan opened the door and peered outside. It was a warm, clear night, well lit by the moon. He saw no one outside, no sign of Abigail. No one is there, Mama, Jonathan said. Please, you must go back to bed. He put an arm around his mother's shoulders and began to lead her back to the stairs. She struggled against him. No, she cried. Abigail needs me. Jonathan was stronger and guided his mother upstairs. You cannot go outside. You will catch cold. You had a bad dream, Mama. That is all, he said. Just a bad dream. But no matter what he told her, Jane refused to believe that her dead daughter hadn't called to her. She allowed herself to be taken upstairs, but still she was frantic with grief and worry. She went to bed, and at last, exhausted, fell into a deep sleep. Jonathan shut the door to his room and went to his window to look out. The yard, with the woods behind it, stretched quiet and peaceful in the moonlight. 
In the morning the Fear family went about their chores as if it were any other day. Neither Jonathan nor his mother said a word to anyone about what had happened the night before. It was almost as if it really had been a dream. Jonathan knew better. Mama has been shaken since Abigail died, Jonathan thought. But it has always been a matter of a momentary confusion. She has never gone this far before. The next night he lay awake, waiting for a noise. Hours passed in peaceful stillness. Jonathan's body began to relax. Just as he began to feel drowsy, he heard it. Creak. Abigail! Abigail! came the whispered cry. He heard his father's heavier tread on the floorboards. Jane, come back to bed, Ezra whispered. You will wake up the children. Jonathan heard his father take his mother back into their room and shut the door. He heard their muffled voices, then his mother crying. Jonathan's mother stayed in bed all the next day, and the next, but at night she roamed the house, calling for her dead daughter. I want to do something for her, Rachel told Jonathan. Something to cheer her up. Jonathan sighed. He doubted anything he or Rachel could do would make their mother happy. What about the trellis? Rachel suggested. We could plant roses. Someday they will grow so high they will reach her bedroom window. All right, Jonathan agreed. He was glad to get out of the house at least. Jonathan took a shovel, and Rachel took a spade. They began to dig holes for the rose bushes. Feeling a light tap on his shoulder, Jonathan whirled around to see who was there. He found himself staring into Delilah's pretty face. Good afternoon, she said. Good afternoon, Jonathan answered. Hello, Delilah, Rachel called. Jonathan wiped his dirty hands on his work pants and wished Delilah had not found him so muddy, but she did not seem to mind. Do you two have time for a visitor? Delilah asked. Of course, said Jonathan. I need a rest anyway, Rachel said. I am tired of digging. Shall we sit in the shade, Jonathan suggested. Jonathan and Delilah sat under an apple tree while Rachel ran off and was soon back with a pitcher of lemon water. I have come to see how the two of you are doing, said Delilah. I have been worried about you. Jonathan was silent, but Rachel said, Oh, Delilah, Mama is not well. She walks through the house every night calling for Abigail. We think she sees Abigail's ghost. Delilah's eyes widened and she raised a hand to her throat. She turned to Jonathan. Can this be true? It is true that Mama is upset, Jonathan told her. Every night she cries out for Abigail. She says she sees Abigail in the yard beckoning to her. Delilah sucked in a breath and shut her eyes. This is dreadful, she murmured, almost as if she were talking to herself. Jonathan leaned closer to her. But I am sure it is not a ghost, he said to reassure her. Please do not worry about us, Delilah. Rachel exaggerates sometimes. I do not, cried Rachel. A bit of color returned to Delilah's face, and she grew calmer. She could be dreaming, could she not? She suggested. The same dream, night after night? Jonathan sipped his lemon water thoughtfully. He studied Delilah's face, and she smiled at him. She is so brave, he thought. She is trying to make Rachel and me feel better. Rachel is afraid of a ghost, and I am afraid that my mother is going insane. Delilah does not want us to be frightened, so she assures us it is a dream. Jonathan. Jonathan's eyes flew open. It was the middle of the night. Another sound. Mama? Jonathan, came the eerie whisper. Jonathan, beware. Jonathan froze as he stared into the darkness. It was not his mother, but the soft, sweet voice of a girl. Who is there? he whispered. Beware, my brother, came the girl's voice. It seems to be coming from outside the open window, but that was impossible. Beware, my brother, the voice said again, or your fate will be worse than mine. Jonathan sat up. 
Rachel, he called. Rachel, where are you? No, whispered the little girl. No, not Rachel. I am Abigail. Chapter 12 Jonathan jumped out of bed. Abigail, he cried frantically. Abigail, where are you? He froze in the center of the room and listened. No one answered. The voice was gone. His hands trembling, Jonathan lit a candle from the smoldering embers in the fireplace. The candlelight made his shadow rise eerily on the wall. Jonathan searched every corner of the room. He threw open the wardrobe and peered inside. No sign of his dead sister. No sign of anyone. His heart thumping, Jonathan slumped back onto the bed. Abigail had called to him. Or had she? Had it been another dream? Perhaps Mama's madness is getting to me, he thought. But he quickly dismissed the idea. The voice was real. I did hear Abigail calling me, warning me about something. Then a soft tapping at his door startled him. He leapt to his feet, staring at the door. Should he open it? He had no time to decide. The door squeaked open slowly. In walked Rachel. She wore her night shift and cap, her feet bare. Her eyes in the dim candlelight were round with fear. Rachel, what is it? Jonathan asked, his voice a low whisper. I saw her, Rachel cried. I saw Abigail. Chapter 13 Jonathan rushed to his sister and took her by the shoulders. You saw Abigail, he said. Where? I saw her face outside my window. She called to me. Rachel, beware. But how did you know it was Abigail? Jonathan asked. Do you remember what she looked like? She looks like Papa's picture of her, said Rachel. She wore a white cap with blue ribbons, and she was floating outside my window. Then she disappeared. Jonathan let go of Rachel. Maybe Mama really had seen Abigail, he thought. Perhaps she saw what Rachel saw. It had to be Abigail, Abigail's ghost. Abigail had come to warn her family. But of what? I am going to call on the Wilsons, Mama, Jonathan told Jane. She sat by the hearth in the kitchen, too tired to move. Let me go with you, Rachel begged. I like Delilah. Not today, Rachel, said Jonathan. Today I want to see her alone. Their mother gave Jonathan a basket of sweet rolls to take with him as a gift. Please send our regards to her father, Jane said. Then she sighed. We should have had them to tea by now, but it has been so difficult. Tears welled up in her eyes, which she brushed away. Misery had aged Jonathan's mother since Abigail's death. The corners of her mouth sagged, and her eyes were dull and almost colorless. Jonathan noticed that the past few days had sharpened the pain in her face. Apologize to the Wilsons for me, she went on, and tell them, tell them I have been ill. I will, Jonathan promised. He put a hand on her arm and added, You will feel better soon, Mama. I know you will. She nodded absently. Jonathan took the basket and set off down the road to the Wilsons' farm. The Reverend Wilson was working in a field when Jonathan arrived, but Delilah's lively face lifted Jonathan's spirits. She took the rolls with a smile. It was so thoughtful of your mother to send them, she said. How is she? Jonathan sighed. No better, he told her. She still sees Abigail at night, but now at least, she is not the only one. What do you mean? Rachel saw her too, and I, well, I heard Abigail's voice. She called to me. Delilah dropped the basket and turned her face away. Jonathan saw her shoulders shaking under her faded pink dress. Delilah, what is wrong? Gently he turned her around, put his arms on her shoulders to stop their shaking, and gazed intently into her eyes. 
but she lowered her face as though she didn't want him to see her expression. When she finally raised her eyes, they were filled with tears. I am very worried about you, Jonathan, she said, about you and your family. I, I would never wish any harm on you, ever. Jonathan thought she was even prettier than usual, with her eyes shining with tears. He wanted to throw his arms around her and kiss her. What are you talking about, Delilah? he asked. I know you wouldn't wish harm on us. This has nothing to do with you. He paused, feeling guilty. I should never have burdened you with our problems, Delilah. You are taking them upon yourself. Delilah closed her eyes. My father and I are leaving soon, she said quietly. Perhaps, once we are gone. No, Jonathan cried. You cannot leave. Please. He was surprised to hear himself speak these words. The idea of Delilah's leaving was painful. He felt as if he had been punched in the stomach. I am in love with her, he realized right then, completely, desperately in love with her. He took her hands in his and demanded, Why? Why must you leave? Please, Delilah, stay here. She lowered her head again. It is for the best, Jonathan. You must believe me. By the end of the week we will be gone. Delilah, I do not understand. Please go now, Jonathan, she said with a tremor in her voice. Please, you must leave. Jonathan made his way from the Wilson's cottage and trudged home with a heavy heart. I love her, he thought miserably, and I know she loves me too. I know it. So why must she leave? Why can't she explain? Why is she so sad and so mysterious? That night, Jonathan waited to hear his mother's whisper cries. He tried to force his eyes open to remain alert. But after so many sleepless nights, he couldn't stay awake. He drifted off into a heavy and dreamless sleep. Then. Just before dawn, a horrifying scream pierced his sleep-fogged brain. Jonathan jerked straight up in bed. The scream had come from the backyard. He hurried to the window. The first pink light of morning was beginning to show on the horizon. Squinting into the yard, he could see nothing unusual. The scream lingered in his mind, echoed in his ears. None of the horrors of the past few weeks had prepared him for the terrible agony in that scream. Jonathan heard footsteps on the stairs. He crept to the door. In a gray light, he saw Ezra and Rachel heading downstairs. Jonathan followed. Where is Mama? he thought. Panic rose in his throat. He pushed it down, swallowed it. No time for panic. Jonathan followed his father and sister outside. The yard was silent now, but they had all heard the scream. They all agreed it had come from the yard. Where is Mama? Jonathan asked his father. I do not know, Ezra said. That scream woke me up, and she was not there. I cannot help but think. Ezra glanced at Rachel. He did not finish his sentence. Do not worry, Papa, Jonathan said. We will find her. For hours they searched the house, every inch of it. Jane was not there. The sun was rising above the trees now. They dressed quickly and returned to the yard, searching around every bush, behind every tree. Rachel stood at the edge of the woods, calling for her mother. Jonathan felt tired and discouraged. What could have happened to my mother, he wondered. How could she vanish into thin air? His mouth felt dry as cotton. He made his way to the well for a drink. As he tugged on the rope to pull up the bucket, the rope felt strangely heavy. A wave of dread swept over Jonathan. Papa, he called hoarsely. Come help me pull up the well bucket. Ezra narrowed his eyes at Jonathan but said nothing. He stepped beside his son. Together, their faces set in hard concentration, they heaved on the rope. It is so heavy, Papa, Jonathan said, pulling with all his strength. I cannot imagine one final tug. 
Jonathan gasped in disbelief, and then he started to scream.